Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a November 21st, Monday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and a former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. No Blazer game today, but do have uh, a pod for you. Did a crossover pod with Locked On Cavs host Chris Manning. We talked about both of the teams who will be playing on Wednesday. The Blazers, of course, face the New York Knicks tomorrow, Tuesday, in New York at MSG. Knicks have won three of four, by the way. So Blazers still have a game before they get to the Cavs. But uh, we decided to talk about both of our teams anyway. We also talked about the NBA in general. We had some takes on you know some other teams, teams that are rising, teams that maybe surprised us, teams we're unsure about. Um, in our conversation about the Blazers and the Cavs who face on Wednesday. So I hope you enjoy uh, our conversation with Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at CWMWrites. That's like writing, W-R-I-T-S. So that's where you can follow Chris on Twitter. Great conversation uh, on the Blazers and the Cavs and the NBA in general. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to a crossover edition of Locked On Blazers and Locked On Cavs. I'm your host of Locked On Blazers, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. And I am joined today by... Chris, I'm Chris Manning. I'm the host of Locked On Cavaliers. I'm an editor at Fear the Sword, another SB Nation blog. So we're, we're SB Nation bros. That's right. We are SB Nation bros here, and we're Locked On bros. So, and if you would like to subscribe to our podcasts, Locked On Cavs or Locked On Blazers, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, all the places where you can get podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. And if you'd like to advertise with Locked On Blazers, send us an email at LockedOnBlazers at gmail.com. And if you want to do that for Lockdown Cavs, LockdownCavs at gmail.com because we have super original emails in the Lockdown Podcast Network. Very, very – at least we have synergy. You know, the, yeah, we're on brand. The brand is strong. Yeah, we're on super on brand. Uh, there's, there's, there's a unison in what we're doing. That's right. And 
Well, I, I think there's unison going on with one of our teams. Uh, <laughs> we can say for sure. Uh, Blazers not uh, in unison too much. They play against the Knicks on Tuesday. Uh, but the, the Blazers and Cavs play on Wednesday. Um, Chris, how – obviously the Cavs – Won the championship, defending champions, pretty, pretty. Uh, but they still seemed like they were a little not. I don't think the, most people th- thought they were the favorites because of what happened with with Golden State. Um, how how do you have you seen them play? Have they have they improved? Are they uh, even a more threatening team now than they were last year? I think they're better, but I also think there is a room to improve. I think you're seeing a certain change. I mean, you're seeing with Kevin Love, this is the Kevin Love that when he was acquired that I think we, most of us, including myself, thought we would see with LeBron and Kyrie. Kyrie Irving is clearly healthy, uh, and he's playing like Kyrie Irving. He's playing like a guy who's an all-star, who is one of the best point guards in the league, and he, he's shooting more threes, and he's taking on a bigger scoring role, as is Kevin Love. And I think I think the supporting cast, too, is better, but... I think the big thing is you can just tell being around this team that the mood is better. Everyone is just a little bit happier. Everyone feels a little bit unburdened by the title and plus because all that attention is on the Warriors. This is a team that knows they're the best in the East. I mean, they played the Hawks and lost, and it. I think a year ago that it might have been frustrating for them, but they've know that we're, they know that this doesn't matter that much. Like they know if they're playing the Hawks in a seven game series or they're playing the Raptors in a seven game series, like they feel pretty good about that. And I, I don't think there's any any worry with them. That makes them very weird to cover because it's really hard to like oversell something or write about something in detail because it's like, is this gonna matter in June? Like is this gonna matter in May? Like I look at him on Shumper and it's like he's shooting fifty percent from three. That's not gonna sustain. And I'm like, is this gonna matter in June if he's gets hurt in between now and then? It's like a very weird thing. But it's just a very weird, different mood with this. And weird's a bad word, but like they're actually like a positive, cohesive bunch, and it's it's so different. It's very odd of a LeBron team to have like no drama, no big obstacles that they have to overcome. I feel like everything with LeBron, like especially the bad things, are just like super. They're always bad. It's like whenever there's something, or he's tweeting, or like when they played Portland a couple of years ago. And he froze out waiters and Kyrie, and there was just so much of this stuff. And then they basically, you know, they reportedly, allegedly threw the game uh, in protest of David Blatt when they were here. And it just feels like uh, this year's Portland-Cleveland matchups I don't think are going to be that dramatic, It's at least on their side. <laughs> yeah, it's – when you see them play, you're just going to – and I don't know how many times you've, like, watched them play, but it's just a very different thing. You feel like they're in control of what's going on. Um, like, the the most dramatic thing that has happened this year is Phil Jackson – saying those posse comments about LeBron. And that's like, it's the first time that there hasn't been this internal drama with this team. It's just a very, it's a very different thing that has happened um, with this team. And it's, it kind of makes for like, you wonder if this is better, like, cause they thrived on it last year. Like, how do they, do they have, does it change their dynamic at all? I guess I wonder. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it does. I feel like it helps. Like I, I, because I know like as someone who just goes to a job that isn't playing in front of 20,000 people every day, when I feel good about who I'm working with and, and I feel good about like with my environment, I tend to feel like I'm happier at my job. And yet for this cast team, it's like they, they admitted like, yeah, we're, we're a super dramatic group of people. And that's like part of the reason why we worked. And that's such a weird thing. Like I can't imagine like from, from covering them all the time and watching them all the time, and knowing how weird it is, I can't imagine from like someone like you who's like maybe not watching them every day 
Like that must have been weird, right? Yeah, that is weird sentiment to hear. Uh, I, I I do feel though as I don't necessarily think that it's mis- that's the team that that thrives off that as much as I think that LeBron himself thrives off of that back against the wall type of feeling. I felt like when he was in Miami, his teams would always get in situations that they're you know they would always be down in a series and have to come back or they like, would lose. I and I feel like. I, I don't know. I feel like LeBron uh, thrives off of that, but um, I, I, I just really think it's interesting that they're that they're clicking, they're getting better. The Kevin Love stuff, I think, is uh, really going to be interesting for the Blazers to see how they try and combat him with how good he's played. I think between Kyrie and Damian Lillard, I think that matchup uh, is kind of a wash. Uh, you know, overall, I, I think both those guys are, are pretty much cancel each other out and. Uh, I think Portland's going to have a really tough time, obviously, with Cleveland. Even if they were healthy, even if they had Al Farouk Aminu, obviously it would be – I can't remember the last time they beat Cleveland uh, since LeBron got there. Least, I think they in, beat at them. At least in Cleveland. Yeah, I think – because I think Portland spanked the Cavs last year right after Christmas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was the game that LeBron was teaching another lesson. That was yeah, and they showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good, Jenny. I actually also hope that Kyrie and Dame both try to drop fifty in this game. Like, I, that's like the most enjoyable outcome possible because they both could do it because neither of them particularly play good defense, no, and they're yeah. going to guard each other. And CJ, hey, also watch out for CJ. It's kind of a homecoming for him. So he's a he's a Canton guy. So does he consider himself like a Cleveland guy? Because because Canton's like an hour away. But he, I mean, in terms of. Pro teams, I, I don't think he has any more like closer home games than he became I, like I a real big charge fan. Yeah, I, I get no. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he only played. He think I think he played like two D league games in his career, and they were not against the charge. Yeah, I mean, it make it would make sense. I always like wondered if like you're an hour away and like you don't have that connection, but like the Blazers to me are such like an interesting team because I love a lot of the guys they have. And I don't know how you feel about the Evan Turner thing, but like the Evan Turner thing is like, it th- it throws a lot of hijinks. And every day I feel like I go on Twitter and someone's like, yeah, his net rating is just is just astronomically awful. Like, what is what is up with the Blazers now? Like, how are they how are they doing? Like, are they are they turning in the right direction? After last year, they were so surprisingly pretty good. I don't know what's happened with their rebounding. That's uh, the Turner thing aside. Guys are gonna miss shots. And Turner shot 38% so far this year. But the rebounding for the Blazers, to me, is the biggest concern. And I, I they were playing Ed Davis a little bit less than they were last year early on. And they've been forced to play him more now that Aminu's been out. But they were a top 10 rebounding team last year. They were, I think, a top 3 offensive rebounding team. And I think they were 13th in defensive rebounding and they're last place in total defensive in total rebounding right now in total rebound rate. And so to me, that is uh, to me, the biggest concern is, is by far on the glass because defensively they've struggled and their net rate, their defensive rating probably suffers a lot because their defensive rebounding has been so bad, but they were at least a good, a decent defensive rebounding team, and they may not have the defensive personnel to be a great defensive team, but at least they can rebound. And I think they need to figure that out. Um, Davis has helped a little bit, but all the guys like Myers Leonard has been like the rebounding when he's been in the game. Most of the season has been bad. Uh, they just haven't really done a good job. And the Turner thing, as you mentioned, is a problem. But I do think, 
I do think so, I do think a large part of it is math because he's shooting he was shooting 35% going into Sunday's game against the Nets and he went 8 for 12 and he's still shooting 38% and his career numbers are a 43% shooter. So I have been jumping on, you know, I've been ragging on Turner. I've been like maybe they should cut his minutes back, maybe they should dial back his role, but then like right before that game, I was thinking they kind of have to just let him shoot his way out of it because it's like he can't be that bad for that long. And I think, I think he's got uh, he's got a couple more games now where he's going to get back to his numbers because I mean he's 27, he hasn't he's not dealing with a major injury, he's not you know he's not a different player than who he's always been. So I think that the Turner thing has been bad. It's been awful. The net rating is terrible, but I do think it'll balance out once he starts just shooting like his career numbers have been his whole season his whole career yeah and he was really good last year like i can't i can't really say like how bizarre it was that evan turner was like super useful for boston last year and i sort of get the idea of trying to take him for what he was in boston and making him that auxiliary piece to dame and cj like i, I get that like in my and i get the the logic and you know maybe if it goes really really bad you can just dump him for something but maybe you're right there i mean maybe if he uh, is gets a shooting up just to where it is as a career average, like he can be fine um, and get back up to like thirty percent from three. That would be that like would a positive be, step. That would, that would be, be the dream. That, that would be, like be amazing. Dream. Yeah, that would be amazing if he could do that. Yeah. But I, 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 like I think they need him. You know, Danny Chow for the Ringer wrote a thing about him and and brought up the Livingston comparison as a guy. I think he's kind of like a like a mix between like a Livingston and a poor man's Iguodala. But like, like. If he could shoot threes, he would be a poor man's Iguodala. But he, even Iguodala can't shoot threes, so who am I kidding? But like, what I'm saying is, is that he can get that mid-range game going and just give them something off the bench because CJ was great and Gerald Henderson was really solid for them down the stretch in that role as like a guy that can just come in and get buckets. But I think if Turner can make that mid-range shot, then that opens up all the other stuff that he can do that he's better than Gerald Henderson at doing, like passing and creating but if he doesn't make those shots, it, it's all terrible. And so, like, that, that's the thing with him is, like, it's, if he doesn't make those mid-range shots, it's it's awful. Yeah, I mean, I he's is he frustrating to watch? Like, there are guys that are, for like, that are frustrating to watch. And, like, last year he wasn't. And on the Cavs, like, Amon Shumpert is the guy where, like, when he's playing badly, he's very frustrating to watch. Is Evan Turner that guy on the Blazers? He has been for stretches. He, you know, and, and I think a lot of that was – he was a little hesitant in some of his moves. He wasn't just, you know, I don't think he had full confidence in all the things that he was doing early on. He's talked about anxiety and he talked about that after having a good game against Brooklyn. And I do think that he was thinking a little bit too much and it was really not fun to watch him when he was thinking too much and hesitating and dribbling the ball way too many times and doing that little shimmy and not really getting anywhere. And, it, yeah, it's been frustrating to see him not really get to the cup and 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 like get fouled or anything. Like, I mean, he really just hasn't done. Uh, he he really just not no. He's he's not fun to watch, but I think he can be he can be fun. Like that's the thing is like when he gets going, he can be fun to watch because he's a good passer. He reads the game very well. But like we haven't seen the good Evan Turner except for Sunday. Yeah, that's that. I feel like that's like. Every team has a guy like that. Like, we just don't see that guy normally all the time. Uh, w- within the context of the West, I just kind of wonder, like, if they're 8-7 eight, they're eight and seven right now, 
I assume you you probably had them as a playoff team coming into the year. Like I would guess you probably had them in the as a playoff team. Yeah, I thought they had a chance to be fourth. Uh, you know, I even thought that I wasn't. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, I thought that San Antonio may slip a little bit without Duncan, but that hasn't proven to be the case. And at least I thought as like a cultural presence, uh, and that's been wrong. But I do think Portland. I I thought that they could be they could have home court in the first round, uh, and they you know have definitely struggled. But I do think they have a lot of room for error in that. Yeah, I mean, I look at I'm looking at the standings. Like you look at, of course, I think the top three of that that West with the Clippers, the Warriors, Spurs feels very solid in some way, you know, shape or form. Like even if the Warriors pass the Clippers and they're tied right now, yeah, that, that's like, like a capsule basically. Yeah, but like the Grizzlies could implode at any time. Like they're Marcus all getting hurt and Chandler Parsons has like a, a bruised knee now, so like that that's a huge blow for them. The Rockets two, two weeks, I think, on Parsons. Yeah, too. which yeah. like and with his history, like that's not great. I'm not really sure the Thunder are actually like that good. Like they I know like, the, Russell, they lost to Indy last night. That's, yeah, it's that's, like that's awful. It's gross. Like Russell Westbrook does these absurd things, and then it's like you look at the rest of the roster, and you're just kind of like, okay, like that's fine. Uh, the Rockets are kind of you know I guess maybe where they thought they could be, but there's clearly room to grow. And it's like, are the Lakers going to be a 500 team all year? <laughs> like I like I kind of doubt it. Um, like are the Jazz going to stand five hundred? Probably not. Like are the Wolves going to be what they are? Like maybe they get better too. Like it's interesting. And like you have the Nuggets. It's the Kings are like five and nine. Like it's a very like weird spot they're in. But it's like they you feel like at least with the Thunder and the Grizzlies and the Rockets, like there definitely is room to hop up to where kind of where you were saying. Yeah. Oh, no, note on the T Wolves. God, they were winning that game tonight, and they scored twelve points in the fourth quarter against the Celtics and lost. Yeah, Wiggins and uh, Levine, O of twelve from three, like how, like scale of like smiling Tibbs from that that picture that we've seen of him on ESPN to like oh, him the screaming, that, the, one that, like, oh, the, the one yeah, that, the one that Hiken always, yeah, the one yeah. that has the big the big grin, of, yeah, of Tibbs, yeah, yeah, like of like that to him like screaming ice in his sleep, like how angry do you think he is right now? Oh God, I mean four and nine now, like I don't I don't think Tibbs has ever been built. I don't think Tibbs is built for a four and nine. You know, <laughs> like yeah, uh, I, I don't know how long he's gonna be able to take it. Uh, but where's the wall? I need the wall tank for forty minutes. Yeah, God, and Luol Luol is gonna be Luol's chilling in L.A. Like like Luol's Luol's living the life. Yeah, like he's, he, he's, he's not even. In that one, and he's just like, I'm in LA, like it's cool. Yeah, he's just chilling and got four years, 70 million basically to be a babysitter for this team. Like, I mean, come on. So, shout out to Luol Den, keep getting him checks. Uh, but yeah, but on, to, to the point about the Blazers, though, and, and the Western Conference, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of room to grow for them. Their offense, too, like they against Brooklyn exploded for 129, but they have been really they've been mediocre on the whole especially up to, you know, relative to their standards. They were a sixth offensive team last year in offensive rating. So I think that that's going to balance out. And and I think the defense, you know, there's a weird correlation, I think, when you talk to people that work in, you know, that coach teams and are around teams a lot between making shots and playing better defense. And I, I do think that that might apply to the Blazers because, there are a lot of guys that love their shot. You know, even guys like Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard, uh, guys that are definitely offense first guys, and and they hadn't really gotten going, and they need to get going too. But I think you know Turner, Turner getting going, I think will have kind of a chain reaction. So if they they can get that, I think the bench will be better, and then they, I think they can really be in the mix for that fourth seed with Houston, Memphis, 
Oklahoma City maybe. I think Utah could eventually get up there if they're ever ever healthy. But it, it, it seems like they never are. And and by they, I mean Derek Favors. But um, And the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers are – I think the Lakers are going to hang around for a minute. D'Angelo, th- their bench is good. Randall's good. They're – they're good. Yeah, out of the teams that I'm looking forward to seeing in person this year, they're actually sneakily high on my list because I like D'Angelo. Like, I like Luke Walton as a – I really, really like Luke Walton as a coach. Um, and, yeah, like, it's certainly, t- like, very telling that the roster basically loses Kobe and loses Byron Scott, and they look just, like, a lot, you know, like, happier and more functional. Like, I'm just I'm just saying. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say it, but, like, I'm just, I'm just saying, man. Like, addition by subtraction – like D'Angelo gets to cook, like they get to do stuff. Like it's cool. Oh, well, and the whole thing with them, Hyken and I have a bit about them being the real Lakers of Los Angeles, and, <laughs> and 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 that's what they were in like the last couple of years of Kobe. They were a reality show and not a basketball team. And like, it's even extended to like Swaggy. Like Swaggy, like Nick Young's life is significantly less reality TV than it was last year now that he's no longer involved with Iggy Azalea. And I, I, and I think that like just the whole aura around them just seems much more professional and about basketball and not about their celebrity and nursing their fame, which is Nick, I, I, Nick Young's Nick Young does have like a girlfriend though, who was, I believe her name is like Pamela Ford, who like was on a song with Amika Mill. And like, I, he's all, like, he, he's literally always like Instagramming pictures of her and like putting it like, like Nick Young just gets to do Nick Young and it's kind of great. Right. But it, it seems like he's in a better place. Like he's balling. I mean, he's, he's clearly yeah. playing well. He's in the rotation for them. And I think it was like a legitimate conversation at points last year where like are they gonna am are they gonna cut him are they gonna wave him like because he was so bad for them when byron was there and yeah so i i I think the lakers are actually a fun team to watch i'm excited to watch them uh yeah i would love to see them i definitely love to see them in person uh i i've always loved d'angelo uh i always thought his game is, is great uh and yeah no he they've been they've been solid I mean, the Cavs, I mean, I guess the question is not are they going to have number one seed in the East. Are they going to have the best record in the league? Right now, Golden State and the Clippers are kind of charging. I do feel like, though, the West will eventually kind of drag those teams down just a couple of notches. What, what, what do you think about, you know, the Cavs' prospects of getting to the end of the season with the best record and having home court for games six and seven or game seven, excuse me, uh, potentially? That's interesting because I, I, I certainly could see the the West, the top of the West, cannibalizing itself. But I also wonder how much the Cavs will pursue that top seed, like how much effort they put into it, right? Like they wrestled LeBron against the Pacers last week, and I think that's the way you're going to wrestle LeBron is just by giving him random nights off. Uh, you don't worry about the record that much, and you just let him get rest and while him playing 36 minutes. So like, do they? Do they put the foot up? Do they put their foot down and really go for it? Do they decide that they don't care that much? Um, I, I kind of think they're going to finish with the best record in the East. I don't think they finish with the best record in the NBA because I don't know how much they really care. But at the same time, like, let's say it's you know they're right now they've played two less games than both the Clippers and the Warriors. Let's say it's let's say it's March and April and they're like about the same and. They know that, like, if they could have that best record, like, and like the Clippers and the Warriors just happen to cannibalize each other and pick each other apart and take away wins, like, let's say the Cavs finish the season on a hot note, like, there's probably some value to them having home court in the finals. 
Like, there's certainly some value to it. And that's, like, where I wonder, and it's not, that's so far away, but I wonder if, like, that's what would prompt them to really push it at the end because I don't really get the feeling that they're inclined to do so, and I get I get why they wouldn't be. You know, I, and I think but this is this conversation is, I think, where love becoming more a focal point of the offense comes into play because maybe you can rest LeBron more if you have Kevin Love, you know, feeling confident in his game and being the guy that can get you 30 and 15 on a night when LeBron sits out. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. Um, I think, I think love in the, just not getting more of a role, but like looking as much of like Minnesota love as we could see him being Cleveland Mm -hmm. is telling, and he's doing with Ben June. It's like, he's playing not with LeBron when he's doing it. Like he does it at times a little bit more than we've seen. And it feels more organic, but we're seeing him play do it with Amon Shumpert. We're seeing him do it with uh, guys that are he's 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 they're getting benefits from him and he's not benefiting from them. Like he's he's the one creating opportunities for Amon Shumpert. He's the one creating opportunities for Richard Jefferson. Like it is not LeBron and him him not giving LeBron more room. Like he's the benefit he's the center and it's weird because we haven't seen that. And like right. when they've done it, it's like, oh, here's a post touch for you, Kevin. Like, have fun. You're gonna get one again in 20 minutes. Like, he gets these all the time now, and it's really fun to watch. Right. No, that's that's really cool. I think it's a really interesting development, especially for them, as they you know try and maybe chase that that best record in in the in the league. So that's I I feel like in that sense, I feel like every game for them matters uh, a lot more than I think maybe we realize because. I think it's this consensus that the regular season doesn't matter. Although the Clippers are, you know, putting uh, putting a pretty good putting up a pretty good case for themselves as a team that maybe may make it to the finals. But I think a lot of people were like, okay, it's going to be num- it's going to be round three of Warriors Cavs, which has never happened. We've never had three years in a row of the same two teams in the finals, but. I think that adds a little bit more intrigue and interest and, and, and a little bit of drama, even though you've said that they're relatively drama free, you know, I yeah. do, I do think that that, uh, like that Christmas game is huge now. Uh, yeah. And I also think they're totally going to just tank the next day. Like they're playing the Pistons the next day on the road. <laughs> like, like LeBron Kyrie and love are all just going to rest that game. We're going to get like Kay Felder, Jordan McRae, Richard Jefferson, Tristan Thompson, and like, Birdman Anderson playing like 40 minutes and it's going to be beautifully terrible. I forgot that Birdman is on the Cavs. He, he literally, uh, he, when he plays, it's like for two minutes and he, he's, he, all I really had known is that like, of course his locker is next to LeBron's. Like the, the bromance is alive. Like the Miami bromance is like, is like very, very real. That's so, I mean, that's so funny. I, I love how him and James Jones, just like, they just know where their bread is buttered and they just like, yeah. and they just, they stay in shape and they're just like, yo, LeBron, Need anyone? And like even even DeAndre Liggins, who I believe was on the last LeBron Heat team, or one of the LeBron Hughes. I know he was on one of them. He's on the Cavs, and it's like I, I'm like firmly fifty percent of me is like LeBron just knows this guy and he, he trusts him. Like I firmly believe that because it's, it's like Mario Chalmers, like get the Cavs starting Mario Chalmers in March, like or before he become playoff eligible if they needed a backup point guard of that too they wanted. He's like an, he's, wait wait oh, sorry he's a free agent right. Yeah, and he's coming off an Achilles injury, which is, I think, part of the reason why he's not on a team. Right. Okay, I, for, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was about to say, Mario Chalmers not being signed and Jordan Farmar being on teams is like a travesty, but that makes a lot of sense. I forgot about the Achilles thing. 
I love Mario yeah. Chalmers. He's a good yeah. player. Yeah, that, no, he's that's, good. that sucks. I mean, he he honestly will probably have to sit out the year, I would imagine. Because, like, I, that, that would be really messed up to bring a dude back from, like, an Achilles injury and be like, hey, you have a month to get ready for the playoffs. <laughs> Well, he said he was fine, though, which is, like, the thing. It's, like, he, he'd said before... Was it a rupture? Like, what was it? Let's look it up. As we're talking... I'm like, I'll look, yeah, I'll look this up, live, but it's, like... The wonders of live radio, folks. Yeah, like... Right here yeah, like on I, Locked On Cavs, Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before I, like, click and find this, uh, the first thing that pops up, and it's from one of those, like, fake news websites, is NBA trade rumors, colon. Cleveland Cavaliers to act on interest or Demario Thalmers, qu- ah. question mark. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm but, just, I'm just, yeah, I'm uh, just saying, man. Uh, like that's uh, a yeah, thing. But, but yeah, what? Just you know, just an aside. Be village, be, be vigilant of the news that you're consuming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that that goes for NBA as well as your general news that I'm sure you've heard a lot about recently. Be vigilant yeah, of the fake yeah. news. It's not real. Um, yeah. Make sure that the URLs are actually the organizations that you think that they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do that, and and it's like go to actually. This is from a ESPN article. ESPN's legit ruptured Achilles, and and if you like journalism and you like good journalism, support real journalism. Like that's right. That's right. Know, like should, donate should, to yeah. Go exactly. donate, pay for MP, donate five dollars to NPR, man. Like it's not yeah. Like, donate to NPR. Donate to your local branches of NPR. Yeah. Uh, donate to your you know subscribe to a local paper. I I yeah, I, 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 I once worked for a local paper. They would be great. For, for those papers to have some money and, and subscriptions. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, great aside by the way, Chris, on, on the state yeah. of on the state of fake news and journalism, but it affects <laughs> the NBA as well. It, so it, that's how we tied it into lockdown. Literally like within one Google search, it's there. Yeah. It's like a f- fake news website giving me these Mario Chalmers rumors that it's I know that, someone that, posted to Facebook. That that someone posted to Facebook or like suggested as like a potential maybe scenario in a blog post and was taken as someone who had sources or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- those, those get, yeah. I, 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 sometimes people send me those and I'm like, eh. Seth Rosenthal from SB nation as an aside to this, as a conjunction to this wrote a really good P he literally took down fake news websites for SB nation NBA. He wrote a whole yeah. thing, like kind of debunking them and showing you like what these are fake and like how to like avoid them. Um, and there's some really great photoshops and it like rewriting the name to like garbage website and like the, in the Google search and the images. So like you should go read that. Like it's pretty good and it's pretty smart. Yeah. You'll learn about how uh, fake trade rumors get reported and uh, spread like wildfire and all that stuff. Um, question about the East that doesn't really have to necessarily pertain to the Cavs, but it is your conference. And I'm curious because I've been thinking about it a lot. Are the bulls good? Uh, I, you know what like i i think about this a lot like more than like it is mentally healthy for me and i like can't believe that they're good like i just can't like like i believe i believe in Dwayne wade still being a useful nba player and jimmy, like that jimmy, like, and jimmy's really good like jimmy is really good like he's getting to the free throw line a lot more which i think is pretty awesome like he's he's developing in a way that i i guess maybe was the opposite of what i would have expected like i expected maybe hit threes again but he's getting to the line um I'm not sure that they're good, but I'm also not sure. Like, there's a lot of things I'm not sure about in the East, but I, I feel like they're better if they don't if they keep not playing Rondo. Like, I feel better if they just like don't play Rondo. It's like crazy. Like Jerry and Grant is like a better option than Rajon Rondo. That's fine. Like, like that's that's totally normal that you spent like all that money on Rajon. But like, you cut out the one guy and they're they're nine and five. Like they have a better record than teams like the Raptors, the Hornets, the Celtics. 
the Pistons, like uh, the yeah. Wizards, like yeah. they're they're like kind of there, and that's like that on its own is kind of amazing for them. Yeah, I think, you know, I think on some level I'm going to steal maybe a. This is kind of more of a playoff thing that we talk about, but I do think that it is a. I think Jimmy Butler is, you know, after all the guys on the Cavs, you know, he might be the best player in the East. You know, like after all those guys, I think he's better than DeRozan. I know DeRozan's had gaudy numbers. I think Jimmy's better. I think that he's better than Kemba Walker. I think he's better than Dwight Howard. I think he's better than than Paul George. Is he better than Paul George? No, but I I just think that the 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 Bulls just have smarter players around uh, Jimmy. I just think, and they have better rebounders. Like they have, like the fact that they like Jimmy's a real. I think Jimmy's a better rebounder than Paul George. That's I don't know how much that's worth, but I think I think PG is a better offensive player because he has range. Is a better shooter, but I mean the way Jimmy's bullying guys, it's just a different type of game. Yeah, I think you're right. I, let, let me ask you this: in kind of going into that, if you're gonna pick a player in the East after LeBron, you're gonna start your team. Who who do who'd you take? Because I wonder this, and I don't know if it's actually Kyrie or Kevin Love. Like I think it's probably Paul George. But Jimmy Butler is also like a pretty reasonable answer because it's just, you know, the two-way pivot player mm-hmm. like can do all these different things and they aren't just defensive liabilities. Right. No, that's that's a tough call. Like I don't I don't know because both like both these guys can both just go off. Like I I to me it is a, it's a, to me right now just the way Jimmy has played it, it's a toss-up for me between him and PG. Like I I I I don't cuz Butler has been that good and like the way he like I know George can dominate defensively and stuff like that, but I just felt like I don't know. I, I, I the way Jimmy's playing right now, it, just, it feels like he's imposing his will in a in a more I don't know. This is all very like not statistical analysis and all very anecdotal. And but you know, I, I think Jimmy Jimmy and PG are like right there. I guess okay. Actually, I'm gonna cop out myself. I'm gonna cop myself out though. I would say if I had one of the if I wanted to have one guy outside of LeBron in the East to like build a franchise around, I would say Porzingis. Oh, I was gonna actually ask you like, is the real answer Joel Embiid? Like, is that the real answer? I think Porzingis. I I I I, I Embiid is the is the man, and he's a monster. And I think and I love watching him play. I I I just think I don't know. Porzingis is like I think he. I think Embiid obviously can do like a, a lot of the things that Porzingis does, and he's bigger. Uh, I, I I think though that Porzingis could be like a even better shooter. Maybe I just think he could develop into like a more like like kind of more like a Dirkish and Dirkish type player, whereas like Embiid has that range, but I think he's more of an in- interior guy. I don't know. I, I, it's yeah. And I think the health thing certainly matters too, because like I wouldn't be surprised if like tomorrow, unfortunately, if Joel Embiid like tore his foot, like tore a muscle in his foot or like ruptured his knee or like did something really bad. Porzingis, as big as he is, looks like he's got like a very solid frame. Like there doesn't seem to be like issues with how he's going to be developed from the base up. Right, and I think he also does. Like I've never heard anything about Porzingis having problems with his diet. Like I, I know that. Embiid jokes about the Shirley Temples and stuff, but like Dude, my my man went to the club in his in his Embiid jersey after he like had a huge game the other night too. Like that, my my dude is out here living. No, no, he's he's living. Okay, 
if you had to choose like which person like whose life would you rather have like like living the best life like oh, I it's think Joel it's, it's, Embiid. It's, it's Embiid like 100%. Like if I wanted to choose a dude who I thought was going to live his best life, I would say that it's Embiid 100%. But if it's if it's a guy that I want to build a basketball team around that I think is going to be like hyper focused on being a good basketball player and and mostly just that, like I I pick Porzingis. Well, like, I don't know, like, I, I, you listen to people that are really good reporters, like, I don't know if you read the Lee Jenkins Embiid story. Oh, God, that was amazing. So, like, he said he learned how to shoot from watching white people. Yeah, amazing. But it's like, uh, he did a podcast with Zach Lowe uh, about that story, and he was just like, this dude just, like, really, like, loves basketball, and I'm like, maybe, like, we take, maybe because he's so jokey, it's like, we, we, maybe it's like the idea that, like, we think a guy has to be Kobe. Like that has to be this like mega intense like kind of crazy person when like they you can have fun like it's not like a bad thing to just like be goofy and but but also like yeah like I mean like Shirley Temples aren't gonna help you like score twenty and ten for ten years like right I mean I think the diet thing like I mean I cover a guy who does a lot of I cover a couple guys that do a lot of like off the court extracurricular activities that like have like interesting off the court lives and. But, like, I feel like they're just, like, a little bit stricter in their diet. And, like, obviously we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't know about Embiid's diet. But, like, he also was doing some stuff, like, when his foot was messed up, he was walking around at Summer League a couple of years ago without a walking boot. Like, I saw him doing that. (laughs) And, you know, things like that. Like, so it's like, I mean, he clearly... Live your life, Joel. I'm not. I'm not yeah. telling you to. I don't want. I know that you're listening to this podcast, Joel. But uh, you know, yeah. I, I. I. My. My vote is Porzingis. Yeah. I. I don't think that's a bad thing either. And it's like funny that like, we forget about him a little bit too. They've been playing. Like, well. I re- yeah. They're, and it's just like funny that like he's just such in a weird position. Like it's like funny how like a guy like it's kind of you look at how guys have up like look at like LeBron and like LeBron and Dame. To, in different ways, got handed the keys. Right. Like, Embiid is getting handed, like, everything because the Sixers are the Sixers. Like, with the Knicks, Porzingis is just, like, he's doing a lot of really great things, but it's also, like, he's he with Carmelo and, and he's he, with Derrick and, Rose. And, he, and, he, 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 and honestly, like, I don't feel like he's going to ever, like, I feel like the Knicks are such, like, a mono, like, they're just, they're, they're the Knicks. Like, I don't feel like they belong to anyone, you know? Like, very yeah. rarely do they belong to anyone, I feel like. So, um, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. Any anything else you want to touch on before before we we wrap this up? Let me let me ask you one basketball y question about the Cavs. And I just kind of wonder: the Cavs do this thing where they play Channing Fry and Kevin Love at the five, and they have them pull bigs out. Mm-hmm. Teams have really struggled to defend it. How do you think Portland would go about defending that? And do they think they have a counter to that? Because it's something I think no team has actually figured out how to really deal with it, especially if Channing Fry is hitting threes. Um. You know, the Blazers have a couple of, you know, they have some Myers Leonard is a stretchy big himself uh, and, and not a great defender, but I think they can maybe try and put him out there on, on, on Fry maybe, and they'll put, I would guess maybe they could do something like Harkless on Love. Uh, I think Vonley's pretty mobile. Obviously, Love is a tough cover. They don't. The Blazers are the worst. I think they're. They. I think they were entering tonight the worst defensive team in the league. So they don't really have answers for much of anything these days. But I. I would say that I think the best way that they combat it is with Myers Leonard out there or Vonley, or Ed Davis. I think Ed Davis is pretty mobile, big. He's a better defender than a lot of those guys. Um, my answer, if they were healthy, would be Al Farouk Aminu on Love, though. I think Aminu is is a very versatile defender and can hold his own against a guy like Love. But 
Um, they don't really have him right now. So uh, I, yeah. I would say like Myers, some combination of Myers and Noah Vonley or, or Vonley and Ed Davis, you know, I, I, or, or, or Myers Davis, one, one, some combination of those, you know, and, and they've been going with Myers Davis um, in second units lately because um, with Aminu out, they've been trying to work into, they've been trying new things lately. So um, I think Myers will be involved in some way too, to kind of maybe combat that. Uh, last thing, are you in or out on the Myers man bun? You know, um, I'm in for it. Cause it's something different. I've seen Myers have the, the same hair for, uh, five years so I, i'm in for i'm in for something different but i i, I don't think it's his I, I you know live your best life myers but back to the joel and principle i like it because myers likes it and he's living his best life i i like that the the live your best life is now the joel and principle like yeah. I'm, I'm here for that like it can yeah. be our it can be the the new thing that spawns from this podcast now we need to trade market sell t-shirts on t public and make like a hundred bucks yeah catch us uh there on t public or etsy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Maybe just support support our uh, support some like craft beer habits or something like that. Right. Like whatever whatever we need. Like just give us a cover my tab. Right, and uh, yeah, you can also cover our tabs by advertising on our podcasts, which you totally should do. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm Eric Garcia Gunderson. I'm Chris Manning. And uh, thanks for joining us for a crossover episode of Locked On Blazers and Locked On Cavs. Subscribe to us. Leave us a five star review. And. Uh, We'll be back with you very soon in your feeds like we normally are. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs. Uh, fun time, fun chat. Uh, definitely you should follow him, subscribe to the podcast, and of course subscribe to Locked On Blazers. Um, and Locked On Blazers being a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Obviously, we are associated and are a part of a network with a lot of shows. And one of the shows that we are associated with that I've talked about before on this podcast is the Dunked On Basketball Podcast with Danny LaRue and, of course, Nate Duncan. Danny's been on this podcast, uh, and I've been on Nate's podcast before, Dunked On, and they had a show last week on Twitter uh, and Periscope, which was awesome. They had a, a live halftime and pregame show and postgame show on Twitter. And they're two of the smartest basketball minds out there. They know the CBA better than a lot of, you know, better than most people that I know and that I talk basketball on CBA with. And they are definitely the best among people that have podcasts and they give it to you thorough, they give it to you straight, and they give you uh, a mix of knowledge, cap knowledge, scouting, all that stuff. And on their latest Dunked On podcast, uh, being one of our sister, uh, being a sister show of the Locked On Podcast Network, they talked about the Blazers when they were going over the Western Conference. So a little bonus action here on Locked On Blazers with a little insight from uh, two of the best basketball minds Danny LaRue, Nate Duncan, as they give you their take on the Blazers so far uh, after their win the other day in Brooklyn. And with that, uh, after after you listen to that, that's going to be the end of the podcast. So we gave you a lot today. So uh, once Danny and Nate are done, that's it for today. But we will be back again on Tuesday after they play, after the Blazers play the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. So keep it live here to Lockdown Blazers where we will – bring you uh, all the content that you need as 
the Blazers finish their road trip ahead of Thanksgiving. So enjoy Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan discussing the Blazers and where they are so far this season uh, to give you just another perspective. You ready to move on to the Portland Trail Blazers and MVP candidate Al Farouk Aminu? <laughs> yeah, eight and seven, four and four since we last checked in on them. Pretty amazing the way they've been playing that they are still in the positive. They did have a nice win where they blew out the Nets today. Did you but watch that game? It was horrendous. It was it? Yeah, I, I was. I was traveling from Chicago to Indiana. I'm actually here, and I was at uh, Bucks Warriors last night and then i'm going to be at warriors pacers tomorrow i'm staying at my aunt's house in indy as we record this so i did not see that but i mean pretty awful 15th in offense now which is how are these guys only 15th in offense with the amazing talent that they have that's actually more surprising to me than the now 30th in defense they're both surprising they've still i think from what i remember they've done well when lillard and mccallum are on the floor they do have these struggles especially now that their bench is messed up because of aminu being out and just trying other guys and that's in the in the starting spot that is now created they've struggled a little bit in that and just getting to their equilibrium and surprise surprise one of the guys who's not helping as much is evan turner yeah you can i say gleefully is that too strong noted i would say glibly was, but whatever that he, he was dead last in the first edition of rpm rankings. i think he might you know he's like negative like 120 or something on the season but it's not only his fault i mean you would you yeah. would like to think that hey if al Aminu goes out that maybe one of the two wings that you're paying 18 million a year would be worth starting <laughs> in his place but instead you know they've had to start myers leonard who is just an absolute sieve defensively especially at the four like he and Plumley in the front court and then lillard and mccollum in the backcourt like how are you ever going to stop anybody with that lineup so you just have no chance there uh and turner of course has been awful on offense as well he has taken 49 possessions already which is a lot for kind of a secondary guy as a pick and roll ball handler 0.67 points per possession there that is awful and then he is also 0.52 points per possession on the 25 spot ups that he has used so far that's markeith morris s because i think markeith was worst on spot ups last year and something broader picture for them that is a real concern and it you, you mentioned about the idea of their de- defense is that they had a, a 104 defensive rating before Aminu before the first game where he got hurt and now and in the game since they're at a 111.7 and you can't be that dependent on one player especially your power forward for all of your defense if you're going to be competitive because Aminu is good we, we both really like him but he's the third best player on this team yeah and even despite the fact that he'd had a very difficult shooting start to the season he was still helping and I think Harkless can still be decent but he's a little bit overmatched as the first guy as your stopper I mean Harkless actually has been pretty efficient this year so far and with a 57 percent true shooting that's a nice step up for him his three-point shooting now he's at 43 percent on three-pointers that's going to come down but still pretty effective they just have no one to play next to him and I think I mean I think you just have to go with Crab I think I would just start Crab because any of these guys that you're gonna who's a traditional big Leonard isn't any good and he's gonna kill your defense he's not that good on offense either all he does is shoot three-pointers uh, Ed Davis they tried starting him a, a little bit he's just you're not gonna have the level of spacing that you need with him out there Von Lay still is not ready yet either I would just say screw it like we're gonna start Crab, we're gonna start Harkless and we're just gonna outscore you and, and see if that can get him there because they really and then the other thing too is that Plumlee has been really inefficient so far too Plumlee 
only 53% true shooting. Like this is a guy who in theory is supposed to just be going up and dunking alley-oops and that's all he's going to do. Somehow he's actually pretty much league average in true shooting. That's no good on cuts, which we mentioned again, he's really inefficient on cuts. That shows that he's just not able to finish at the rim over any kind of a contest. We saw that difficulty from him in the playoffs last year. And I think that that scouting report is carried over to this year where they realize that when he gets the ball, you don't want to let him make a pass off of those pick and roll traps. You want to actually make him finish and he's not capable of doing that. He is limited in that way. That was something, yeah, the Warriors really did capitalize on that. And I'm not, I don't know that the league has necessarily followed suit. It's just the situations that present themselves. And his defensive limitations are rearing their head without Aminu as well. And you get into these complicated spots of, okay, is it going to be Crab? Is it going to be Leonard? And neither one of those are great options. They've also tried Ed Davis in that spot a little bit. And that has some, some limitations in terms of spacing. Lillard is still doing a really nice job finishing. He had a gorgeous finish over Brooke Lopez today where Lopez had no idea he was even going to throw it. It looked like it looked like Lillard just kind of like threw it over his head, but he knew what he was doing. And so he's had a few of those nice moments. The Nets absolutely could not defend him today. And for those of you who enjoy white seven foot guys shooting threes, Justin Hamilton and Myers Leonard were just bombing in, in Sunday's game it was actually vaguely fun. <laughs> yeah, white American seven foot guys. So I think actually Justin Hamilton has uh, some kind of European citizenship. I think he might be like Croatian or something. Um, but yeah, you know what? I think these guys still, while I took the under on them, I think they're like, you know, under 46, I think is what it was that I took or 46 and a half. And I worried that they might take a step back this year. I still think that they, when they are at full strength can be good. It's just that good is not good enough when you talk about some of the talent, the high-end talent this this team has. You're just not getting anything out of some of these reserves. But as you noted, their regular starting five when they're together is still plus 15.3, and that lineup killed all, all last year too. So if they can just get that back together, I think they can be all right. And their bench will work itself out. They're a team that has enough talent. I wish they had spent a little bit of money even getting back their old friend Tim Frazier, just somebody who could be a backup one to have another guy on the roster. Napier was a worthwhile flyer but not more than that and it would help but they have enough guys you know the Blazers well, I mean are the guy that they thought was going to be that guy was Evan Turner to have the ball in his hands more right you know that he could be a pseudo yeah. third point guard and you know we know how that went we know how that went ready to move on well you did note their clutch did you talk about the, how they're doing the clutch oh, so so the yeah that's right I did a little bit in that so they are plus 16.3 and six and two in some ways more importantly in clutch situations but it's worth noting we're dealing with small sample sizes here they've only played 35 minutes and a fair portion of those were in two games where the Nuggets absolutely collapsed and so the Nuggets fell apart and also then that Nuggets game went to overtime so that also logs in the minutes but that's a a nice thing in terms of like what you can hang your hat on moving forward because if they're good in close games that can make the margin I mean we both expect them to be a playoff team but you know winning a few extra games in that way can make the difference between let's say the six seed and the four seed or the the eight and the six or something like that. (laughs) 